July 10th. As we now turn our attention to the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 27, verses 21 through 44. Paul's counsel gets rejected. I mean, what did a Jewish tent maker know about sailing a ship anyway? So the advice of the experts and the vote of the majority carried the day. When you are impatient and uncomfortable, and when the golden opportunity seems to come along, beware, a storm may be brewing. And they hear Paul's encouragement. Paul was right to say, I told you so, but he followed it with a word of promise from the Lord and a word of encouragement from his believing heart. At a time like that, people need promises, not preaching. And they were following Paul's example. Paul publicly gave thanks and directed their hearts to God, which encouraged everybody. The weary passengers needed strength for what lay ahead, and that meant taking time to eat. Paul was practical as well as very perceptive. Although Paul started the voyage as a prisoner and passenger, he ended it as the captain of the ship. The ship was lost. But by the grace of God, Paul's presence saved all the passengers. Can the Lord depend on you to sail by faith when you face the storms? Can others depend on you? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 10th, Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 44. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place, and not left fair havens. You would have avoided all this injury and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as He said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight, on the fourteenth night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They took soundings and found the water was only a hundred and twenty feet deep. A little later they sounded again and found only ninety feet. At this rate they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore, so they threw out four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the prow. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes and let the boat fall off. As the darkness gave way to the early morning light, Paul begged everyone to eat. You haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged, and all 276 of us began eating, for that is the number we had aboard. 
After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get between the rocks and get the ship safely to shore. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudder, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But the ship hit a shoal and ran aground. The bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break up. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and he told the others to try for it on planks and debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely ashore. Let's read on. Look, look, look at the advantage you have in troubling times to experience supernatural peace. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I have adopted you and you are mine. Look at this, semicolon. I will come to you. Do you feel abandoned? Do you feel overlooked? You feel marginalized? You feel undervalued? You feel like you're spouse and you've grown distant. You feel like you haven't heard from your son who went off to college. You're starting to get worried and you're wondering, God, are you faithful? God, are you true? God, are you there? Look at this promise. He says, I will come to you. I am not a negligent father. I am not far from you. I'm on the inside of you. I will come to you time and time and time and time again. I am faithful. I am true. I do not change. So I'm here to tell somebody who's going through the fight of their life or the storm of a lifetime and you got questions and you got concerns and you got stress and you got anxiety and you got fear and you're going, God, where are you? I want to remind you, we have a promise that he is faithful, he is true, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. I will come to you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Listen to that. The world's not going to see him because he's not, no longer in his physical, visible form. But we will still see him because now he's in his spirit form. And the spirit within us will show us Jesus. He says, in the day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has, here it is again, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will manifest myself to him. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus is your counselor, which is to say the primary role of the Spirit of Jesus is to show you Jesus. The Spirit wants to do one thing the most on the inside of you. He yearns to show you Jesus. That's his passion for he is Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm just going to give you a little, a little tool a little, a little key. When you open this book, look for Jesus. It's my favorite. It's like a treasure hunt. It's my favorite thing to do is to open this book and say, now, 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 spirit of Jesus, show me Jesus. I'm telling you, he'll show you Jesus in the book of Lamentations. Don't look for principles merely. Don't look for just a good story merely. Don't look for success keys merely. Look for Jesus and this book will come alive to you. Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, show me Jesus in this verse. 
Show me Jesus. In a verse, like if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus is in there. That's when you go, wait a minute. I can't love you and I can't keep, keep, keep your commandments. And that's where Jesus goes, I know. That's what I do. <laughs> Through you, for you, help you. And there he is. Telling you when we get together, it's got to be more about Jesus than ourselves. We read this book, it's got to be more about Jesus than ourselves. The strength and power, fortitude, strength and peace is not in ourselves. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. What does the counselor do? He manifests to you Jesus. Notice what it says going all the way down. It says, verse 26, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He's a counselor. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Today's reading from the book of Psalms is from Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. We'll see that the universe is vast and full of grandeur. So why should God pay any attention to weak and insignificant men and women? But He does. He can use the weakness of babes to reveal His great strength and to defeat the enemy the way David defeated Goliath. If He can use infants, surely He can use anybody. You are important because God made you in His image. Sin has marred that image. But in Jesus Christ, that image can be restored. You are important because God has shared His dominion with you. Man lost that dominion when he sinned, but Jesus Christ has regained it. Can you think of occasions when Jesus Christ proved that He had dominion over beasts, birds, and fish? Yes, you are important to God. And He has a purpose for you to fulfill. He wants you to reign in life through His Son. For you are enthroned in the heavenlies with Him. Why live like a slave when you can live like a sovereign? Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. For the choir director, a psalm of David. To be accompanied by a stringed instrument. O Lord, our Lord. The majesty of your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and nursing infants to give you praise. They silence your enemies who were seeking revenge. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in place, what are mortals that you should think of us, mere humans that you should care for us? For you made us only a little lower than God, and you crowned us with glory and honor. You put us in charge of everything you made, giving us authority over all things, the sheep and the cattle, and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, the majesty of your name fills the earth. Proverbs 18, verses 23 and 24. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. <laughs>